Don't you love your pastors? Come on, I'm thankful for them in my life. Pastor Aaron and I, they are truly some of, probably in a very small hand, the people whom we love the most, truly in the kingdom. We are kingdom family, and guess what? I felt at home. I'm, I got to go to the school today, and I'm like, woo, I'm at home tonight. And so I love each and every one of you too. Can we just lift up our hands for a few more moments? And can we just give Abba praise for already visiting us? Thank him for sustaining us and keeping us through the trials of life, through the fasting, through the tormenting. He has kept you. You didn't just show up here tonight for just another service. I didn't come all this way for nothing, but I just believe for an encounter that's going to happen in this room tonight. And so as we lift up our hands, I, I love that Pastor Devin is calling a thirst fast. Woo. I used to sing a song that said, I am thirsty, hungry, Lord. I'm desperate for your presence. Yes, I am thirsty, yes, hungry. I'm so desperate for your presence. Now I need a less of me, <laughs> more of you, Lord. I need a less of me, more of you. I need a less of me. That's what fasting does. More of you, Lord. I need a less of me, yes. decree this say I am the say I'm desperate. <laughs> I'm desperate enough that I'll put coffee aside. I'm desperate enough that I'll put tea aside. I'm desperate for the encounter that you would know, that you would know, that you would know that I put you before everything else in my life. Come on, I don't need a fix of caffeine greater than I need the touch from the almighty God who is seated on his throne. So Father, we'll sacrifice. So Father, we'll set aside. Father, we're desperate for your touch tonight. We're desperate, America's desperate They may not know it yet But they're desperate, they're desperate, they're desperate Our families are desperate, our churches are desperate Our communities, we're desperate, we're desperate, we're desperate Come on, just say yes, Lord Lord, we're desperate mm. We can turn to the reading of the Word of God Thank you, pastors, for allowing me to be here. It's always such mixed emotions when I preach before people whom I love and respect so much because I'm completely honored, humbled, and scared as I'm time. I always get so nervous to be in this house because I know the weight 
and the responsibility that it carries to preach in this house. So I count it an honor to preach with my friends tonight and with our family in this house. Matthew 9 and 18, and I believe that we're just going to confirm the word and listen, I know it's been a long day. This time change, about this time, everybody's ready for bed. It might as well be midnight, right? But I had a dream a few weeks ago, and I looked at the clock, and it was 2 a.m., and I said, Lord, what are we doing? Why are we still here? And he said, where else would you be? Where else would we be? And I got to tell you, yes, we'll sleep in just a little while, but as long as the Lord is ministering in this room, I don't plan to be here at 2 a.m., I plan to be in Nashville by then, unless he says otherwise. But I'm here tonight on an assignment. I'm going to drop this word. I won't be before you long in Jesus' name. I know y'all had Greg DeVries last week. So I said, if, I, if we dismiss at 10, I'm doing good, right? I'm joking. Let's read the word tonight, verse 18. It says, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it is living, it's breathing, that it is sharp, and it is dividing, and yet it's bringing healing and uniting things. So God, we just thank you. We release this word in this atmosphere. I pray that as things are coming out of my mouth, that it would glorify you and you alone, that I would be on assignment to release your word into these people and I pray that they would have ears to hear what the Spirit would say in this room tonight. Just go ahead and high-five your neighbor and say, I'm moving from suffering to suddenly. Or maybe we'll just say we're moving to the now. Amen. Listen, I, I just believe we've been in a season where the church has been suffering some things, right? The Bible says the kingdom suffereth violent, but the violent take it by force. I love this scripture and I love the way that it is positioned because it said that Jairus, a leader in the synagogue, and we just have to begin to picture this in Capernaum that as the synagogues were not like the temple. It was a little different. There was religious things that took place there. There was governing things that took place there. There were community things that took place there. However, that it was still not real keen of these leaders to be followers of Jesus, right? And the scripture tells us in John in 12, and I believe it's in verse 42, that it says there were many leaders in the synagogue who believed on Jesus, but they didn't dare follow them for fear that they would be put out of the synagogues. The Pharisees would see that they were following Jesus and they'd be jobless. Amen. And so the, it's this entrapment of, I would rather have the praises of man and appear as if I don't follow him and just keep my job, keep my sanity, keep my peace and sit right here, but yet be intrigued with everything that Jesus is doing. G Jairus was one of these synagogue leaders. And as these communities, he would be like the president of this place. It wouldn't have been cool for him to go and worship Jesus. 
Jesus, right? Jairus was desperate. He was desperate. And here's what I can tell you is that when you find your self in a place of desperation you don't care how bad you embarrass yourself your title doesn't mean anything to you you're not embarrassed of what others might say think or question you just move to wherever Jesus is amen so we see Jairus a leader in the synagogue running to Jesus bows down worships him and says if you will put your hand on my daughter who has just died, she will live. Now this faith, I love this next chapter, this next verse, because it says that Jesus got up and followed Jairus. When was the last time your faith made him follow you? See, just a few verses before, we see that, that Matthew, the tax collector, was invited. Everybody's been invited. Follow him. Follow me. Come and follow me. And now we see this religious leader who shouldn't be seen following Jesus. Jesus rises up and follows him. Because there was deep worship and he knew that he was risking everything to come before him. As, as Jairus, I love because Bishop Garlington was talking about the river and when obstacles get in the way. This was at Ruach. If you missed it, I'm sorry. It was powerful. Go get the download. As, as the river flows, he said, when a river is met with an obstacle, it just creates a new path, right? And I begin to think about this story of Jairus that got Jesus moving. We often see in this story that as Jairus was taking Jesus to his dead daughter, uh, we fail to understand that had Jairus not had the faith to believe that Jesus was capable of putting his hands on his dead daughter, then that woman maybe would the issue of blood would have never encountered him but Jairus's faith pulled Jesus got him moving and set him on a mission for a collision course do you know that your faith is not just about you but you might be the very one that gets Jesus moving in route and somebody else obtains their miracle what if Jairus had not had faith to believe well it was Jesus why wouldn't he believe because Jesus had yet to raise the dead Sure, he had healed the sick. That's why we see in Mark 5, the telling of this story. He said, my daughter's about to die. And when Jesus is on a collision course with the woman with the issue, they come and say, oh, don't bother now. Don't leave him alone because your daughter's dead. Jesus had yet to raise the dead. He had healed the sick. He had healed the ones who were weak in their body, but he had not done the unimaginable thing just yet I believe that just like Jairus listen in this version who, who was written to the Jews Jesus has the capability he was saying I know that you are the resurrection and the life even before I've seen it with my own eyes some of you have to have the faith to believe in this room that cancer is nothing over the name of Jesus. That he is more than willing and he's more than able and he's more than capable to uproot that thing in your life and in your family system. So as Jairus has pulled Jesus, he's saying, come with me. Jesus is following Jairus. We all know this story. The woman with the issue of blood, the unholy flow for 12 years, right? 
And as this is taking place, how many of you, I, I picture it being like the man at the pool of Bethesda who had laid there for 38 years. And his, his crutch was, I ain't got nobody to help me, right? Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody, everybody just jumps on in front of me and they get their miracle. And I, I just picture Jairus, if it were my daughter and Jairus is saying, okay, I'm going to lead Jesus to the place of death and destruction in my own house. And Jesus is now in a, a, an encounter with the woman who dared to reach out and touch him, broke the law to get to him. Because she heard that he would be passing by. And as she reached out and touched him, it, Jesus stops in his tracks, right? And Jesus, this encounter, he says, somebody touched me. I know you did because I felt it leave my body. And when she rose up, because she had already been found out. Some of you just need to know you've already been found out. You might as well fess up. You might as well fess up. But instead of fessing up for the sin that you did, I just decree that tonight somebody grabbed a hold of Jesus. And as he's walking in the room, he's saying, and who dared to reach out and touch me in a faith that, that pulled it out of me? It pulled it out of him. He said, I felt it and it shifted everything. I wonder what Jairus was feeling and thinking in this moment. As a mama, as a daddy, you're sitting in this room. Can you imagine? Oh, gosh. We're, we're, we've got to beat the clock, Jesus. Jairus, it doesn't say that he said anything. I picture it in my mind that there had to be this... Patience, I'm going to wait, I'm going to trust, I'm going to have faith and believe that he's more than willing and he's on his way to touch my daughter. You see, Jairus' name in the original means Yahweh enlightens. Has anybody been enlightened by Jesus? Yahweh awakens. You see, Jairus had an awakening in this moment uh, that yes, every religious system might be able to structure my life, but Jesus has the ability to charge my life, to make me come alive when things look dead again once once uh, Jesus touches you nothing can be the same that's why when we were talking tonight when he's in the room everything must shift and everything must change and what I love about this story is that when Jesus showed up to the house of Jairus what did he find the professional mourners I know some people who could probably get a job. <laughs> Professional mourners, they are hired to create an uproar, to make a spectacle so there would be more people in the procession of this funeral with loud, ridiculous noises of wailing. Oh, they're hired. I wonder how many people... Oh, I better not. Here's what I want to say. You better be careful about people who are always running to your aid when you're in trouble because you don't know who's prospering off your trouble. You don't know when they show up at your door and they're, oh! Why is it the same people that are always at funerals? Why is it they live? I know them. You listen, you know them too. Professional funeral goers. And they cry and you ask them, do you even know that person? Well, no. Hired professional musicians and more.
to say Jairus is on his way trying to get Jesus' attention. Who hired those people? You better be aware of those who want to profit off of your trouble. Because the enemy will have them out for hire. He'll have them out. He'll show them up at your door. And if we're not discerning enough, we're going to go, oh, man, they, they cared enough to just come and sit with me. I don't want to just come and hook you up to hospice. I am tired of the church saying, let me just hook you up to the lifeline. Let me spoon feed you. When in all reality, the resurrection power of Jesus has just shown up at your door. Jesus was indignant about this. He was mad. He walked in. I, we, the, the, you know, the New King James Version says, make room. I believe he said, get out of here. Get your nonsense. Get your false uh, weeping and your false swelling, your false intercession, your false concern. Get it out of this room because I'm about to do a miracle. You better make sure that people are not setting up in the residency that Jesus is longing to do a miracle in. A whole other part of this. I pray that you're not the one that has to leave the room. I don't want to be the one that Jesus says, get out of here because I can't do the miracle till you leave. Ooh, check. When Jesus said, make room, and they, they mocked him. They ridiculed him. He said, she's not dead. She's sleeping. Oh, he thinks he knows what he's talking about. Don't you see? She's already gone. It's pointless. But as they cleared the room, here's who, as they cleared the room, it was Peter, James, and John because there's only a few that you can really take into some junk with you. You know what I mean? Only a few people, everybody listened. He had 12 of them that surrounded them and yet there were three whom he could trust to take what nobody else could see because he knew that there was going to be a power of agreement in that space with those simple three. And I believe he was saying, I would rather be in the room with the few than be in the midst of those who are going to be waiting to take me down in a second you got to be comfortable with just a few because if you spend your time listening to the crowd Jesus will never come to your house that's what they say oh don't go don't bother Jesus if Jairus had listened to the crowd he would have sat and weep and wailed with them but Jesus called the faithful few behind the closed door. I'm thankful for a faithful few in my life. As I'm reading this story, the Lord begins reminding me of a time that he cleared the room in 2009. Aaron and I have four children. I don't look old enough, do I? I'm an 18-year-old. I do not know what to do with that. And as... My daughter at the time was two years old in 2009. She's now 15. I'm going to go ahead and preference that because I often get excited. And when I share this testimony, people are like, did she make it? Yes, she made it. But in 2009, I remember that Aaron and I were at the Dove Awards. 
And all of a sudden, I get the phone call that she had fallen 15 feet out of a second story window. And in the background, I hear the sirens going off. And I hear the commotion as the, as the ambulances were approaching. The man who showed up in the ambulance was looking. Can I get the chopper down here and get her to Vanderbilt? He said, no, I can get her there before the chopper. Aaron and I jumped in our car at the Dove Awards. And we beat the ambulance to the trauma unit. Have you ever been in a trauma space? See, the enemy wants to keep you in that place of that trauma unit. That trauma unit is a hot, hot, heated place because the temperature has to be just right in case the body that's needing the treatment, it goes into shock. But if you're the one standing outside of the natural shock and your spirit is shocked, you're pouring sweat and you're pacing the floor and you're walking, it's a place that I never long to be again. In that place of trauma, they roll my baby in who had white hair and it was completely covered in blood. Her head was severed from the front to the back. Her lip was severed from her jawbone. And I heard the reports of the doctors. I heard them say she may never walk again. I don't know if her brain is swelling. She will probably have seizures all the days of her life. But I want to tell you the importance of a fast. I had been on a fast for nine days. I didn't have an answer of why. I just knew the Holy Ghost said, if you don't fast, it will change your whole destiny. And on the ninth day, I got the call and I knew I had already been ahead of the enemy's plan. So you don't know what Pastor Devin's going to call me to another fast. You don't know what that fast is doing in this atmosphere. It might be the very thing that draws the line over your family. It might be, you just think you're calling the glory, yes. But it might be the salvation of your wayward child. Nine days I had not had a bite of food. Standing in a trauma unit. The room spinning. My husband's saying, baby, you better sit down. All the while, he's the one about to up Chuck. The doctor said, listen, sir, I'm going to need you to sit down. He said, because I can't deal with her if you're on the floor. And as that doctor's report came forth, something rose on the inside of me. Guess what? I had nothing left. I had nothing to prove and I had nothing to lose. I stood like a gyrus saying, Lord, if you don't come through, I know she can live if you'll put your hand on her. My hand will do nothing. This doctor's hand will only do so much. But when you put your hand on her, I know she can live. I know she will rise up and be victorious in this moment. I looked at that doctor. I said, sir, I hear your report. And I thank you that you're the one here whom God has chosen to put your hands on my daughter. But sir, if you don't mind, I would like to pray for you. He was already scared. And I would love to say that. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, no. I said, shut up, In the name of Jesus, I thank you that this doctor is anointed to do his job. I thank you that his hands are being guided by the great physician hand. That you will lead and guide him in every step that he is to take. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And my husband's like, oh, God. 
had nothing to lose, y'all. When you are losing something that is precious to you, you lose the care of, oh, God, what are they going to say? I didn't care. Who cares? He don't know me anyway. Why do we care so much what people think? Why? They're going to have their opinions. We're going to get the hate. We're going to get the opposition. But they're going to say what they're going to say. And God's going to do what God's going to do. In that moment, I remember they tried to get a CT scan to see what was going on inside. Thank God she has some fight. I don't know where she gets that. <laughs> She's very meek and mild in other ways. But boy, this day there was this roar on the inside of her. And the more medicine they gave her, the more agitated she got. They had her strapped down and she was saying, get these seatbelts off of me. Two years old. And I remember they came in and they said, mom and dad, and the room had been bustling full of nurses and doctors and child services. Oh yeah, all the things. And they said, we're going to clear the room. <laughs> and you're going to have to calm her down. Because we cannot show her up. We cannot progress forward until we know what this brain is doing, what this spine is doing. And I got excited in my spirit. Because I remembered Jairus' daughter. That when Jesus walked in the room, he cleared it out. He said, make room get out of here that doctor's word make I'm going to make room I'm going to clear this space and it's just going to be you and dad and Eva and you're going to get her calm and as we begin to talk to Eva we begin to say baby do you want us to sing to you do you want us to sing and she was crying she was crying but I remembered a moment the week before that had taken place at our kitchen table don't forget moments that the Holy Ghost shows you in your own space and as we were sitting at the table, she began to sing. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of his mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. We cry holy, holy, holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. Is the land sitting at our table? That two year old began to sing that the week before this accident, and the glory just filled our space as we worshiped. And I looked at Aaron and I said, We fall down as her crown is laid open. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus because I knew if He put His hand on her. The greatness of, you see, I always thought I knew what worship was really about until a moment that I didn't know if it was going to be okay. I didn't know the outcome, but yet I was still compelled. He's, he's worthy, he's worthy. We cry holy, holy, holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. All of a sudden, a room that had just been emptied of humans got really, really crowded. To the point that we couldn't even worship in this manner 
The room got so crowded that we, all we could do was the fear and the trembling of the Lord. I felt his glory enter the room and he filled every empty gap. He filled every space. And as we just worshiped, the baby went sound asleep. As the glory filled that trauma unit. Hmm. They wheeled her down. And they said, Mom and Dad, everything is perfect. They showed her up. She had plastic surgery on her face. And I'm telling you, I told that doctor, I said, Lord, I thank you that he will have no choice but to confess. We've seen a miracle today. The next morning, that doctor came in. He said, Miss Crabb. I said, yes, sir. He said, we've seen. A miracle today. You want to know why? Because we cleared the room of every hustle and bustle of doubt. And we made room for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now here's something that and whoever's playing, you can come. At the, the, at the beginning of this story, we see Jairus, the father, right? We are looking at a nation that is more intrigued, and, and I'm just going to say it more. Their votings are all about abortion. That's been the key point of people's voting in this day. Not the economics, not the inflation, not anything else that would uh, you think that people in America would be concerned about. No, people are concerned of whether they can kill their baby or not. They're concerned in California they voted that they can abort the baby up until birth. Oh, yes. So in a nation that is so thirsty and hungry for death, it's really selfishness is what it is. The Lord told me, he said, you will know the spirit of Antichrist by looking at the pro-self. The pro-self agenda is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's me, it's me, it's me. It's I want this fix. I need that. I want this. But Jairus putting his titles aside. The Bible says that when the, when the last days come, the spirit of Elijah, I believe, is going to counter that false spirit of Antichrist is coming to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And we saw a father who was not concerned with his job and with his position. He was not concerned with what the Pharisees were going to say about him he had to run to Jesus and plead for his daughter why was Bishop Kevin Wallace pleading for the daughters at Ruach because he has a gyrus anointing to push back every force of the enemy you may not like it and you may not understand it but it is the fathers who will rise up in bold faith speaking to loose the daughter but as Jairus said, this is interesting to me. You've probably already seen this. I've read this text and heard it a hundred times. But Jairus, the father, pulls Jesus. Jesus follows him. And he's met with an encounter of a woman who had no ability to reproduce. Had an unhealthy flow for 12 long years the father's cry pulled Jesus into an unhealthy cycle that brought healing and not just healing but it brought wholeness 
I don't know the full story of that woman. I haven't dug that far. But what I can tell you is the Lord said when the fathers rise up and begin to lead Jesus to the place. Lord, I, I know that my child is acting a fool. But if you'll just put your hand on her. If you'll just put your hand on him. I know that something will have to move. I know that something will have to shift. And pulling Jesus into that river creates the miracle for somebody to get in the healthy flow of the river and then the Lord said I will cause the seed to live in this day and in this hour I believe it's a prophetic unction of the fathers and of the mothers and what I love about it Pastor Devin is that your mission of these rain gatherings your mission of standing against abortion you're perplexed because you're like the men want to come because it's the purpose of this day and of this hour God is calling forth Jairuses in this moment who will come and plead to Jesus on behalf of the children. I just want us to stand in this room because Jesus took the the territorial spirit that entered in 12 years prior. And for one woman, see when you've been in a place of suffering and a place of pain, it's been a long season, right? It was a long 12 years of trauma and pain. Before another life, it was a 12 short years. And what I love about when Jesus comes on the scene is he doesn't want to hear how long you've been in it. He just wonders, can you trust me to fix it? Can you trust me to remove every hindrance and every word of opposition? Because Jesus showing up and breaking the cycle of a territorial demon that said, I'm coming for the seed. I'm going to infiltrate a womb that will not produce. And then I'm going to take the seed and it will not live. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, he breaks the curse from one generation all the way to the next. And it is all because a father began to cry out and pull Jesus into the river come with me Jesus and Jesus follow Jairus if your faith gets Jesus attention tonight where will you lead him every head bowed if your faith gets his attention where would you lead him tonight what is that place that you need room for him to do the miracle and we're going to end it just the way we started it because a miracle is about to happen in this room for somebody it might just be one of you and guess what if it's just one of you I would make the trip 10 times over to preach this word but I believe somebody's on a collision course with the almighty God because somebody's faith is grabbing a hold of Jesus and saying we're going this way Jesus if he is following you where are you leading him tonight so i want to talk to the fathers in this room that have children that you need jesus to put his hands on them (laughs) you need jesus hand put on them just lift up your hands in this room and say jesus that's me 
That's me. I need you to put your hands on my children. Yeah, go ahead and make your way to this front. Come on. Come on. You might be a lady in this room and you might need a miracle. I just believe that as these fathers are making the move and they're saying, Jesus, put your hand on my family. Put your hand on my child. Put your hand on my circumstance. Shift and change the trajectory of where we are headed, of where they're going. I'm asking you to follow me, Jesus, all the way to touch them. If you're in this room and you need a miracle and you see him passing by you, I want you to just begin to move in this altar. Come on, make your way down, make your way down. Jesus, 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 you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. want to pray for people who've been listening to the wrong voice you have allowed the wrong voice to fill your space you have allowed the wrong influence to take up the residency and the voice where Jesus is to be speaking you have given them your time you have given them your place you I mean they sit at the door when you walk in I'm talking about spiritually now and you're ready to evict some wrong voices and wrong spirits you're ready to evict the fake facade that's been hired by hell to celebrate death I just pray that you begin to run to this altar and say, I'm evicting them tonight. I'm evicting them tonight. They no longer get to come into my house and have free reign. They are uninvited. Come on, make a move, make a move. There you go, come on. They are uninvited. Come on, some of you need to go ahead and repent for inviting them in your space in the first place. And then go and uninvite those unwanted guests in your atmosphere. Hallelujah. And then I want to speak to the promise in your life that looks like it's dead. It looks like it's dead. It looks like it's hopeless. It looks like it's gone. The crowd told you it was hopeless and told you that you would never see the fulfillment of that life again. But you're ready to see the resurrecting hand of God come and be put on the place that devils and people said would not live. If that's you and you haven't moved to this altar yet, I invite you. Come on, I invite you to make your way down. Thank you. Come on. Lord, just lift up your hands as we begin to minister in these altars for as much as you will allow us to speak, God. Lord, I thank you that you're already moving things. I thank you that you're already maneuvering. You started this service with moving things, moving us. And so, Father, we thank you that we're just sealing it up in this moment. I thank you that you have already gone before us. You have settled it. You are speaking to death and you're calling it to life. You are speaking to unholy cycles and you're calling us into wholeness. I thank you for fathers that are on the rise to begin to call out the names of their children unto Jesus and say just put your hand on them Jesus. I thank you that families are being reunited again. I thank you that we will see the presence of God drive out every spirit of darkness. That we will see them cast out those who are who are gaining, who are making money.
money off of our cries in the place of trauma. I thank you, Lord, that you're overturning and evicting in this moment, oh God. I thank you that they no longer get to take up space in our place. So, Father, I just agree as we begin to lay hands on. And prayer team, you can come if you're not in these altars. I thank you, Father, that you are moving and you are shifting even now. There is a full release of all that heaven has promised and positioned you to obtain. I thank you for life. I thank you for the abundance of it, oh God. I thank you for the provisions of life that are already in place. I thank you, Lord. That yours is yes and amen over them. Even though it's been long. Thank you, Father. It's been a long season of trauma. It's been a long season, but I see the shift. Come on, it looks hopeless that you would actually have joy again in the place of trauma. But I believe the hand of Jesus is here in the room. He's 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 in the room. Come on, begin to pray. Come on, just go ahead, Tori. 